Good morning and welcome to the Invisible Body. Over the last little while, probably actually more like two years, the world has kind of gone insane. Um, COVID, race riots, uh, just a whole lot of political issues, mainly in the West. There are other things that are going on, wars and famines and illnesses and things that are going on in other parts of the world. But I am based in New Zealand and so most of what is impacting me and most of the congregants that I have as part of this church are based in the West. And so I am looking at those issues today. One of the big things that I have heard um, kind of talked about a lot is this idea of freedom. This has been in particularly in regards to the vaccines that are coming out people saying that people should have to take the vaccine for COVID, other people saying you cannot force somebody to take a vaccine, um, that it is against rights and freedoms of people to make them put something in their body that they don't want. Now, wherever you stand on the issue, what I want to look at is this idea of freedom. Um, the idea that People are writing, people have gone on protests about this idea of our freedom, our freedoms um, around political and health issues. And I really want to bring it back and kind of go, okay, well, what does freedom actually mean for us as Christians? Because there is a lot of fear out there at the moment. There is a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of um, misinformation. Um, a lot of just craziness. I've stopped watching the news, to be honest, because the world is so crazy um, and the news lives off fear. And we end up kind of emotionally overloaded with all this fear that we don't know what to do with it. And we end up um, just focusing on that all the time. And I've talked to a lot of people about the fear that they are experiencing. Just this morning, I've had two separate conversations, one at the dog park and one with a neighbor about fear, basically, without using that particular word. There is, uh, I was having the conversation with someone who doesn't want to get vaccinated because basically they don't know what the vaccine is going to do and they are afraid. And so they don't want to get vaccinated, but then they're also afraid of what that will mean for them and their civil liberties if they cannot, if they do not get vaccinated, then they can't go out because the laws now may change around that. And then I was talking to another person who was saying that everybody should be forced to get a vaccine, um, basically because they're afraid of COVID and they're afraid of what will happen if we don't vaccinate everybody. Everybody is currently living in a state of fear. And a lot of that is around this idea of our freedom being taken away, however that may look. So I want to talk about what the Bible has to say about freedom, because it actually has quite a bit to say. One of the big things around the biblical story is that freedom is not just about my individual rights, and it's not just about um, 
my freedom to be able to do whatever I want. There is this idea, this recurring theme of freedom being something that we come from. So freedom from or out of something coupled with a freedom into something. So it's a freedom from a situation and a freedom into something new. And this is it happens a lot throughout the Bible. So I have quite a few examples, but I'm going to narrow it down just a little bit for you because otherwise we could be here for a really long time. But some of the big ones for me, um, as I was doing my study, um, are as follows, really. So if we start right back in Genesis, Genesis 37 to 48 is the story of Joseph. Many of us will know it from Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, but Joseph, who had dreams, uh, made his brothers jealous, his brothers sold him into slavery, he then went from there into prison, then he interpreted other dreams, and then he was raised up to be the right hand of Pharaoh, and then he um, came face to face with his family, saved Egypt and a lot of the world, it seemed at that point, from famine, came face to face with his family, was reconciled with his family, and became one of the great names in Jewish history. That was a very, very brief summation of the Joseph story. But basically, um, his freedom from um, the, the idea of what he came from. So he was put into slavery, then he was put into prison. Um, and he also had, uh, no doubt, a lot of anger and stuff towards his brothers for doing this to him. So he was freed from that. God brought him out of slavery, out of prison. And then he freed him into not only position of power and strength and all that kind of thing, but the really big part of the story is he's freed into reconciliation with his family. He's freed into freedom from hatred, into freedom of forgiveness. So there's that kind of movement from um, physical slavery and oppression and emotional, potentially, I'm reading a little bit into that story, but the emotional kind of baggage that went with that into this freedom of reconciliation, of a position of strength, a position um, where he could help other people rather than being all bitter and twisted and blah, 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 which if my family sold me into slavery would be a very hard thing to do. Then we have the story of Moses. Now, I'm actually going to share some screens here um, so I can read some of these little verses with you. So please hold with me. Okay, so the first one is Exodus 3, 8. So we have Moses, the story of Moses, where Moses is called by God to free his people from Egypt. So the first bit here is the freedom from. So I have come down, this is God talking to Moses, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So there is the freedom from, freedom from slavery, freedom from oppression into freedom of in their own land, a land with plenty for them. Um, and that same story, so this is God again speaking to Moses, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them 
and I will redeem you with an outstretched arms and with great acts of judgment. So that is the freedom from. I am taking you from the slavery, from this awfulness. I am freeing you from that. And I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So I am freeing you from this, from this oppression and slavery into relationship with me. I am bringing you into relationship, freeing you into that relationship. So it's this freedom from oppression. And then it's freedom into relationship. Now, in that relationship with Moses um, through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, um, is that freedom into relationship through law and order. Now, this is going to be important later. There is the freedom from um, slavery into a freedom um, into a relationship with God through law and order. Okay, so you've got all the laws and things that are really important for God's people to be in relationship with him. So they go hand in hand, that freedom, which seems really bizarre to us because we go freedom, but laws, that's not freedom. That is telling us what to do. It's freedom of relationship, but we're going to come to that. Just wait, just wait. Then we have the stories in the book of Judges, which fascinating book, just FYI. If you haven't read it, go read it. It's great. Lots of little stories about different judges. So in there, there's this recurring story of the people fall into sin. They fall away from God. They stop worshiping him. They get oppressed. They get um, like everything goes awful. And then uh, God rises, raises up a judge to lead them. And so they are then freed from all that awfulness into new relationship, renewed relationship with God, into worship, into forgiveness, into um, greater depth of, of relationship and strength with God. And this is this continuing theme, which happens all the way through the Old Testament. Then we have, let me just screen share again. We have... Do, 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 do. Sorry, bear with me. I'm a little bit technically incapable. Here we go. All right. So we have 2 Chronicles 36, 17 to 23. Now, this is actually the end of the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Tanakh. Okay, this is the last bit in the Hebrew Bible. It's not in the same order that we have it in our Christian Bible. So these are the last verses. Okay, now I'm going to not read out all of it, but... Um, so basically, again, the people have fallen away from God. He has sent prophets to them to say, come back to me. Or this is bad stuff going to happen um, because you're not following me and you're allowing all this badness into, into your lives and everything. And if you do that, then there's not a lot I can do to, to stop all this stuff happening because you're not following me. Um, so therefore, so this is therefore God brought up, he, God, brought up against them the king of the Chalcedians who killed the young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young men or virgin old men or aged. He gave them all into his hand. Um, all the vessels of the Lord, the treasures of the king and his princes, all these he brought to Babylon and they burned the house of God and they broke the wall of Jerusalem and burned its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious vessels. He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword and they became servants to him. So all and all the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. Um, right. So 
basically everything's destroyed and the people are taken into slavery and and it's just massacres and, and awfulness. Now, a few years later, you have the now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. Okay, so that is the end of the Hebrew Bible, right? So you have this freedom from the slavery and everything into Cyrus, king of Persia, letting them go back to their land. So there's this freedom back into this homeland. But, and this is really important, the spirit of the Lord does not come into the second temple. And there is a silence for 400 years between this point and Jesus. And so there's this freedom out of slavery, death, destruction removal from the land removal from the temple and therefore removal from god um and then there's this freedom into being returned to their homeland and then what it's never really completed um in the old testament there's this kind of left hanging feeling of like well what what happens now the freedom isn't complete we don't have reconciliation with our god yet and then we get Jesus we quite like Jesus so there is so much freedom that goes on in the story of Jesus we have freedom from fear of death because he overcomes the grave we have freedom from separation from God because God is now with us um and he stays with us and he lives with us and then the Holy Spirit comes and we have the Spirit with us there's no longer the need for the temple God is with us Emmanuel God with us there's freedom from sin because Jesus is our propitiation. There is freedom from illness as he heals people. There is freedom from brokenness as he brings people back into relationship with each other and with God. Um, and then there is also freedom from the law, which is really important because it's not that Jesus abolishes the law. It's that Jesus brings freedom from works and into um, freedom into let's say that again he brings freedom from having to do works to um, be in relationship with God into freedom through faith um, and Paul touches on this a lot now I know we're doing a massive sweep through the entire Bible here but I want to show you these things this freedom from and freedom into so we are now freed from this the 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 law into freedom of relationship with God. Now, I've got a few things from Paul here that I want to share because he's great. He talks a lot about this stuff. So first off, we have Romans 3, 21 to 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. 
it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he may be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So what he's saying is that prophets and law bore witness to this righteousness of God. They bore witness to Christ Jesus. And then Christ has actually made no distinction between any of the peoples because all have fallen short. But if we accept Christ, then we are redeemed in him. We are freed from sin. We are freed from all this burden into relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And we go on to Romans 6, 15 to 23. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Thanks, Paul. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Look how many times he uses the word free, which is bizarre because he's using it in tandem with the word slave. He is saying that either we either follow sin or we follow righteousness and both of them make us slaves, but one leads to death and one leads to life. And actually freedom is only found by being a slave to righteousness, which is seems so contrary to our our understanding of what freedom is so you know he's bringing in that whole jesus is the fulfillment of the law so we have justification through christ not through law but that does not mean that we get to do whatever the heck we want because that is not actually freedom freedom under righteousness is to be a slave to righteousness it is to lead towards our gift of eternal life by actually saying no we're not going to continue to follow the the life that leads to death and leads to sin which means giving up the decision to do whatever the heck we want which does it seems contrary to our understanding of freedom he continues in galatians 2 19 to 21 for through the law i died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So Paul is expanding it here again. Paul is wonderful, but he is also quite hard to understand sometimes. But he's he's basically saying 
that the freedom through Christ is found by accepting Christ into our lives, accepting the Holy Spirit into our lives. It is now the Holy Spirit in Christ who is living in me. We are justified through his life and death and resurrection. So I now live this life in the flesh through faith in Jesus because of his love. So it's not through the law that we are saved. It is through righteousness. But that does not mean that we can continue to do what we want. We have to tie it in with the Romans one that we were talking about before. We are slaves to righteousness. We are not just out there doing whatever we want because that will continue to lead to death. It, it is lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. But it does it. So then the last thing I want to talk about, Galatians 5, 13 to 15, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Now this verse really sums up everything that we're talking about. For we were called to freedom. We are called out from sin. We are called out from living our life for ourselves. We are called out from living in lawlessness. We are called out from living a life that leads to death. And we are called into freedom. We are called into serving one another. We are called into loving one another. We are called into righteousness. We are called into being slaves to the love and the righteousness that is about loving God and loving others. Currently, we live in a world where we bite and devour one another all the time. Go on any um, website at the moment that's talking about vaccines and you will see people ripping each other apart. Christians as well as non-Christians, they are full of hate and vitriol. You turn on the news and you see people biting and devouring one another with their words. We are becoming more and more divided, not because of COVID, not because of vaccines, but because we are refusing to love one another in these situations. The church is open to all. There is no Jew or Gentile. There is no slave or free. There is no male or female under crust, Christ, not crust. Um, we are all um, freed from sin through Christ into freedom. And we have the choice whether or not to live as loving one another, to be slaves to righteousness, to be slaves to working towards our goal of our, our reward of eternal life through loving God and loving other people or we can continue in a life of lawlessness of biting and devouring one another of hating one another of division of fear of all that kind of stuff the bible is not so far I mean it doesn't say anything about covid but it does say a lot about division and about hate and about fear and it says all of these things are not of Christ. So family, I sincerely ask you to 
not bite and devour one another so that you yourself will not be devoured so that you will not live in a way that's lawless leading to lawlessness that you will become a slave to righteousness even when that's flipping hard even when the people you're talking to are just just so ignorant or annoying or being so awful and mean rise above you can do more you can be better you are free in christ and it is christ who lives in you and you can be better than this we see this world around us filled with fear. You do not have to live in fear. You do not have to live with fear of death. Death comes for us all, but it has no sting when we are in Christ. It has no power when we are in Christ. Whether we get COVID or we don't get COVID, we are still in Christ. And we cannot let this, this mentality of division and of hate and of fear rip us apart as a body we can't we have to be the voice of love of compassion of all being welcome no jew no gentile no vaxxed no unvaxxed just people in christ this is going to be challenging for some of us it's going to be really hard because there is so much fear I really encourage you to focus on your communities during this time. Rather than the world, look at your communities. Look at what can you do to bring love, to bring hope, to bring joy. What can you do to be righteous in a place of that is, that is full of fear and division and doubt? What can we do to bring unity to our local church communities, um, to our communities as a whole? Um, what can we do to be a voice of love? Because the law is summed up, love God, love others. What are we doing today to love others and to show that we have been brought a freedom from our past selves and freedom into a place of love? How are we living that out today? Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for these people. I thank you for your body. I thank you for your church. I thank you for your grace and your love that brought us out of, of slavery, of fear, of sin, of death, of all of that stuff and has brought us into a life of righteousness, of strength, of hope, of eternal life. Um, Father, I ask that we do not let ourselves become overcome by the fear and division that our world is seeing at the moment. Lord, let us be a light in the darkness. Let us be a beacon of hope. Let us be a place of love and acceptance and warmth, no matter where people are in their journey of faith, in their journey of vaccines, and any of that kind of thing. Let us not be afraid. Let us not um, fight for individual freedoms, but be slaves to righteousness in Christ. Father, help us know what that means for us. Spirit, be with us as we walk boldly in a world um, where those who are bold are often ripped down. And may, us, may we do it all in love, not out of self-seeking um, righteousness, um, not out of, of a need for approval, but out of um, self-sacrifice and love for the other. 
And we pray all of this in your mighty name. Amen. Thanks, family. We'll see you next time.